Good morning. Um, last week, um, last weekend, I was at winter camp with a great group of students from Salida High School, and it was a great weekend. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ was clearly proclaimed to over 500 students from all around the state of Colorado. And I actually love, I get this opportunity uh, once the speaker speaks to, to sit down and process the Word of God, often on a cabin floor uh, with a bunch of students, and I just love it. And last weekend, my cabin was a cabin full of upperclassmen dudes, juniors and seniors, and great bunch of guys, but this group of guys had actually heard like the gospel message many times in their life. And as we're sitting there, I kind of get this sense that they're kind of bored with it, which just kind of eats at me, right? And so I asked them a question that I was not planning to ask them. And this is the question I asked them. Do you believe that power from God is available to you right now, today, to actually change your life, to transform you? And I want to ask all of us that exact same question this morning. Do you believe that that there is power available from God right now? Right now to transform your life, to change your life. Do you truly believe that? I believe one one reason that some Christians aren't bold for the gospel message is because they doubt that the power of God can work in their life today. I've had people say to me that I have never felt God's power in my life. Therefore, I don't know if this this God who is in the Bible, is really who he says he is. And therefore, in my mind, it actually makes a lot of sense then how a person could be timid or ashamed to share anything that's in this book. Today, my hope and my prayer is that we could know and that we could believe through the power of God's Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we could know that God's power is available to us today to transform us, to to change us into the person who God wants us to be. I want to pray as we start. Father, um, I long to experience your power in your presence. I ask that that could happen today. Father, I pray that you would humble us to to hear your word today and actually be expectant that your power can actually move us in a way today that only you can do. Father, I ask above all else that you would be honored, that you would be praised here today. I ask for your blessing on this time. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today we're going to be studying Second uh, Peter, um, chapter one, verses one through eleven. And Second Peter is a letter written by Peter at the very end of his life, towards the very end of his life, and he was writing this to some churches because he was alarmed by the number of false teachers that were infiltrating the church. So this letter is to encourage followers of Christ to be strong in their faith. It's encouraged them to grow strong in their knowledge 
and their understanding of who God actually is so that false teaching wouldn't derail them from becoming the church, wouldn't derail them from becoming the people that God actually desires for them to become. So let me start reading 2 Peter. It starts with Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So that's telling us who wrote this letter. And it says, to to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to stop for a second. How many people here listened to Pastor Matthew's teaching last week? If you haven't, you need to go back and listen to it. Even if you have, you should go back and listen to it. Because he, he, te- he taught us so well from Scripture what this righteousness of God is. So when I read this sentence here, it means so much more to me this week because I understand the righteousness of God better for what Pastor Matthew taught us last week. All right, I'll stay on track, but go and listen to it. It says, To those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How many people here think that your righteousness level is equal to that of Peter? Or or think of Paul. Do you think that your righteousness level is equal to Paul? Well, this scripture is teaching us if we put our faith in Jesus, then the righteousness of God is granted to us by God to change our status from sinful to righteous, right? It changes our status from death to life. And we should never think that our righteousness level is here and, or here, and someone else's is here, right? This is saying, like, like in God's eyes, all that matters is, are you righteous? Have you received my righteousness? All right? And in verse 2, Peter asks for this grace and peace to be multiplied in the life of the readers of this letter. Good news. We're the readers of this letter today. So, how can God's grace and God's peace be multiplied in our life? It says clearly right here by knowing God and Jesus Christ our Lord better. Knowing Him better. So Peter is saying knowing God deeper leads to a greater blessing in our life. Verse 3 provides something that's really vital and critical to understanding how we can actually have this real growth in our knowledge of God, which in turn leads to God's grace and peace being multiplied in our life. Verse 3 says, His, who's His? God, Yahweh's divine power has given us everything required. If you write in your Bibles, if you don't write in your Bibles, underline that. Underline that. God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. This is clearly saying that God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? If you don't believe this, it could be that you have the wrong idea 
of what God's power working in your life actually looks like. I think some people think when the power of God comes on you, you're going to be an instant superhero. And you're going to be, there's going to be like fireworks and lightning bolts and there's going to be this instant dramatic change. And for the most part, that's just not how it works. Yes, there are some amazing, beautiful stories of instant healing and instant change through the power of the Holy Spirit. There are those instances. But for the most part, God's power is commonly poured out through a whisper over a long period of time. So again, God's divine power comes to us through this growing knowledge of God. So we need to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. And here's the great news. God's plan has always been that he wants to clearly reveal himself to us so that we can get to know him better. That's always been his plan. The Bible teaches that that God reveals himself to humans in, in four primary ways. Two of these ways are commonly referred to as general revelation. These are general ways in which God reveals his greatness and his power to us. One of these general revelations is creation. In creation, all that God has created discloses who he is. The heavens declare, the mountains declare, everything that he created declares his majesty and his greatness, right? If we're open to that and seeing that. The way things work together, scream of of a great creator, right? So that's one of the ways that he generally reveals himself to us. The second way is through our consciousnesses. Consciousness. I think I added a ness in there. Um, But the human mind and heart bear witness to the existence of God. God wired us that way when he created us. Then there are two more special and specific and much more personal ways in which God reveals himself to us. One is through his word. This gift of his word is how we can know deeply who God is. The second special revelation he gives us is Jesus Christ. He's the visible image of this invisible God. So this is how it works. The deeper, and, the deeper we study and know God's word, and the deeper we study and know Jesus, the better we know God. And then he pours out his power on us when we get to know him better. But I think there's a common place where we can all get stuck in this process. And then we play the victim, and this halts our growth, and therefore halts this power of God being poured out in our life. We get stuck in this trap of seeing our limitations, and we start playing this comparison game. We see our limitations, and we see the gifts that other, ha- other people have, and we wish we had those gifts. And then we get stuck. For example, in my life, I've loved getting to know Pastor Matthew. Man, but the dude can study and read like nobody's business. He's blessed in that way. And man, I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. Or this morning, I'm sitting here in worship, and I'm seeing Ezra, and I'm like, man, that dude has got some joy. And it's like I was teasing him, what are you playing today? Because it's like you can play anything. And I see his abilities, and I see mine are limited. And, and, and what happens is I recognize that my uh, abilities are limited compared to other people's. 
And I don't know what it is in your life. We all are doing this comparison game. And we wish we had different gifts that we were never created to have. Then we want God's power to take our limitations away. And we want God to give us gifts that we were never intended to have. And then if that doesn't happen, we say, well, God's power is not working in my life. But that's not what this scripture says. Verse 3 says, God's divine power has given us everything required for life and for godliness. God has given me, God has given you everything required. He's given each of us unique gifts and abilities. And he's given us those so we can have an abundant life. A life that leads to godliness. Do you believe that? I think a good question right now would be, what does godliness mean? Because that's like one of the things we're shooting for. We want a life of godliness. And I found a great uh, definition for godliness this week that I want to share. But before I share it, I want you to think about a person in your life who is really godly, who shows godliness. All right, here's the definition. Godliness is the ability to worship and reflect God well in all areas of your life. Listen to that again. Godliness is the ability to worship and reflect God well in all areas of your life. I love that definition. God's power has given us everything required so we can live out a life of godliness. Verse 4, By these he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature. Whoa. So that you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Man, this is saying something remarkable. I don't even know if remarkable is a good... It's saying something... I don't know. It's saying something... I can't put a word on it. If you are growing in your knowledge of God, and if you are living out this life of godliness, then we can share in the divine nature. We can share in the, the very nature of God. That should blow your mind. I mean, I can't get my head around that completely. And don't, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, but don't miss that second promise to you that says that we can escape corruption. Man, I want to escape corruption, the evils of this world. I would love to escape that. I think many of us wrongly think that like when we need God, we can call to him and he will come to us. But what this is actually teaching, and I'm going to talk about it more, is that the Holy Spirit resides in us. The very power of God doesn't come to us when we need him. He actually resides in us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It starts, in him. And I'm going to stop. Because in him means in Jesus Christ. If you've made him the Lord and leader of your life, if you are humbly trying to serve him with all that you are, you are in him. And it says, in, in him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. This is a great example of why knowing the whole 
of scriptures is so important to experience God's power. The Holy Spirit residing in us has not always been a thing, right? Jesus, in John 16, says it's better that he goes away, which had to blow his, that blows my mind. I mean, how can that be true, right? I mean, his disciples are like, wait, that, that, I'm the Messiah. It's better for me that I go away? It says, it's better that I go away because then, Jesus said, it's better that I go away because then this indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God will come. So, by the law itself, it couldn't make us clean. It couldn't make us righteous. So, as God promised in the Old Testament, Old Testament, God is going to send a Messiah. And he does so in Jesus Christ. Also, God promises in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit of God, with all of his power, is going to be given to us to reside in us if we confess and believe. The book of Ezekiel that Jonathan read earlier was written 600 years before 2 Peter. And through Ezekiel, God says, I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statues and carefully observe my ordinances. God has put his spirit, his Holy Spirit, his power in his followers. And that spirit gives his followers the ability to walk in his commands. And when we walk in his commands, we experience abundant life. And when we experience abundant life, we experience this godliness we were created to experience. And we get to experience the very power of God in that. So I'm going to read verse 5, because this is where the rubber hits the road. It says, For this reason, make every effort. Write in your Bible again. You need to underline that. Make every effort. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, underline that, in increasing measure, They will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, for you, for, for me, for everyone that longs to experience the power of God in our life, this scripture says that we are to be making every effort. And these things should be growing in measure in our life. Our response to the the gospel message is not to be passive. We are not to be passive. Once we humble ourselves and we make Jesus the king of our life, we are not to be passive in our faith. We are to make every effort. I think some say or think along these lines. They say to themselves, I I clearly understand the gospel message. And I clearly understand that the Holy Spirit, the power of God, was to enter my life. And I'm supposed to get that power. But I think they're saying, man, this is not working in my life. It's not working the way it's supposed to. I think something's not working right in my life in this, this regard. 
And my question would be, have you truly made every effort to do the things that are laid out for us in Scripture? I'm going to quickly summarize a list of these things that we are to be making every effort to do and to have growing in our life in measure. The Scripture says, make every effort to supplement your faith, our faith. The word supplement means to add to. So, so to be super clear here, the first thing that is required is that we have a saving faith. That we've made Jesus Christ the Lord and King of our, our life. We believe and trust that he is God. And once you have that, then we are to make every effort to add this to our faith. And the first thing listed is goodness. I actually like how the New Living Translation, instead of goodness, it says, in increasing, um, uh, make every effort to supplement our faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. That's what, that's what goodness is, moral excellence. So are we making every effort to be a moral person, a person of high integrity? When someone looks at you, they're like, man, that is an upright person. Are we making every effort to make sure everything we do is in the light? We have nothing to hide. We should be making great effort in that regard. Next on the list is knowledge. Are you making every effort to have great knowledge in your faith? I'm going to linger here for a bit. Knowledge is knowing stuff, right? Knowledge is knowing information. And what is the most important information you need to know when you have faith, when you come to faith? You've just accepted Jesus. What do you think the most important information you need to know is? Well, I think that, uh, I believe it is to know what are the critical disciplines that you need to follow to grow in your faith. We need to know what those disciplines are that are going to help us grow, right? One such discipline that is mandatory is prayer. Man, each morning, I, I try to start my day. I don't, I'm not perfect at it, but I beg the Holy Spirit, guide me today. I want to feel, God, I want to feel your power in your presence today. Give me your eyes. Give me your heart. Man, I want to honor you today. Help me to see foolish stuff and to stay away from it. I don't want to do anything that dishonors you. If you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can pray that way, pray the Lord's Prayer. It's the way Jesus taught us to pray, right? There's so much power in it. Get good at praying it, not just in the morning, throughout your day. The reality is, is we need to start our day and we need to fill our day with this honest and deep desire to actually experience God's power in His presence. And that's what prayer does. We need to be good at it. Another mandatory discipline is reading and studying and understanding God's Word. Again, this is not a passive task. To gain knowledge, to have increasing knowledge about God. That means reading and knowing the Bible. I want to make a confession. I don't like reading that much. I don't. I might have just got fired. My boss loves reading. Um, it's a challenge for me. But you know what my favorite thing is? It's experiencing the power and the presence of my God. 
So you know what I do? I put on my big boy pants and I read. I read. I read the Bible. You know what? I've learned actually I can listen to it better. I have an app on my phone. My wife introduced me to it. I listen to God's Word every day. On great days, I have my Bible open and I'm following along. I love Christian music, especially Bible-based Christian music. It's another way for the knowledge of God to get in my head. When I've experienced distance from God, typically it's when I'm not making every effort to gain in my knowledge and understanding of God. And when I've experienced the power of God most clearly in my life is normally when I'm gaining a greater and deeper understanding of who God is and what he's done for me. But it takes great effort. The next duty on the list is we are to make every effort to have self-control. Have you ever heard anyone say, you know, I've asked God to take away this desire for fill in the blank. I've asked God to take away this desire uh, to watch porn, to lust, for greed, for whatever. Fill in the blank. Have you ever had anyone say to you, I've asked God to take that away, and then they say that desire was not taken away, therefore it must be okay. Man, that that is Holy Spirit abuse. What's self-control? Self-control is not doing something when you really, really want to do it, right? And if that desire is taken away, you still don't need self-control, right? Because you don't have that desire anymore. Now, by God's grace, I know he has taken desires away from people instantly. And I think that's because he's not going to give us more than we can handle. But I think we cop out so much of self-control. Again, self-control takes great internal strength not to do something, specifically not to do something because it's going to be dishonoring to God. Self-control is quite possibly like the hardest thing we have to do. I know it's one of the hardest things in my life. We have to rise up and hold ourselves back when everything in our flesh really wants to do something. And in my life, self-control is impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit the power of God. When we feel that battle for control to rise up between our fleshly desires and our godly desires, we need help. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. When I feel that battle raising, I pray right away, Father, help me. I need help. And he brings scripture to my mind. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All right, um, Worship team, why don't you come on up here? Um, Next, after self-control, we're supposed to have this endurance that's growing in our life. What is endurance? To endure. Don't give up. Don't give up. This is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Oh man, I'm two months behind on my Bible reading project. Don't give up. This is a lifelong journey. Man, Don't give up. Endurance should be growing. Godliness. Man, Ken, um, what do we say godliness is? It's, again, when we reflect and we worship God well in all areas of our life, that should be growing. All areas. Even those hidden areas. All areas of our life. Godliness with brotherly affection. What's brotherly affection? Being brothers and sisters in Christ. This means affection for fellow believers, 
other people. Hey, we're supposed to have great affection for each other even when we disagree on some things. That should be growing in our life when we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us. We'll have great affection for one another and brotherly affection with love. I want to finish. I'm just going to read verses. I want to finish with the word of God. Verses 8 through 11. Let this sink in for you guys. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling, your election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. The Word of God. 